Geforce O'Neill. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number Episode 107 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron Upshaw. He's live from the shores of South Lake Union in the Les Schwab Studios. I'm Don O'Neill, live from the shores of Queen and Mountain, also in the Les Schwab Studios. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, do you put your shopping cart away? Or do you take your shopping cart and just leave it out in the damn parking lot somewhere for somebody else to figure it out? What your shopping cart habits say about you? There's some new research. We're going to talk about that straight ahead. Also, I was talking with a gentleman last night uh, online, and we started talking about the 1918 pandemic, and we compared it to what's happening here in 2020 as people are now rushing every license plate in the country They are rushing to places like Yellowstone. Nobody's socially distancing. Nobody has a mask on. They're going there to see Old Faithful. And at the same time, over 5,000 meatpacking workers in the Midwest now have the coronavirus. 22 are dead. And the president has ordered them to keep packing meat. Have we opened up too early in this country? And are we going to get that dreaded second wave? We'll talk about that. First, let's talk about this. Lots of headlines this morning, Ron, about Pier 1 uh, closing stores, especially bakery here in Seattle and around the West Coast. They're going to, they're going, the West Coast, they're going to close all their stores. Forever 21, 178 stores closed. Walgreens closing over 200 stores. Uh, Chico's, not sure what Chico's is, but nonetheless, Chico's, bye-bye. They are going away. Gap is closing 230 stores. Nordstrom's is planning on closing stores. They say already this year. Over 3,000 stores have closed and will be closing. This is what's interesting, though, because you look at these numbers and you want to blame it on the pandemic, and it creates this kind of panic, right? In fact, I was looking at the Pier 1 numbers, and then I remember reading a story about Pier 1 last year where they were closing stores and the year before. Here's what's happening. The American Mall is dying. For some reason, it doesn't die here in Seattle. Like you look at the mall in Bellevue, does pretty well, right? Outdoor malls, you would think outdoor malls shouldn't work. Well, it works like crazy in the university district, right? Anyway, lots of these stores were closing already. Anyway, if you go back to 2017 around the country, we had over 8,000 stores that closed. Go back to 2019, we had 9,300 stores that closed. They do say this year though, Ron, even though we have 3,000 stores closed so far, We are on track to have 12,000 big box stores closed. Do you blame this on the pandemic or do you blame it on the fact that, hey, a lot of these brick and mortar stores, they were going away anyway? I think it's it's a blend like you suggested. Like there there are companies, obviously, uh, these these giant corporations are monitoring store to store to store uh, performance-wise. And I think some of them, this gave them uh, uh, sort of the nudge to maybe they were leaning that way anyway, and they just went ahead and shut it down. I think there's probably also some mechanisms, you know, that in play where they can save money on a corporate level. Like I don't know all the tax things that have happened and, and debt forgiveness things that have happened on the national level for businesses. So that could be uh, something in play. The cost of borrowing money might be super cheap right now. So like there's a lot of reasons for that to happen, but I think you bring up a good point, which is, or the thing that made me think of 
what does retail look like and what does social interaction look like uh, from here on out? For instance, like many people in our area do like to go to those outdoor malls or you do like to go to a farmer's market or you do like to go. I was in, I was down at Pike place uh, the other day in the morning and went to Poroski Poroski. So they're still open. If you're down in that area, go get it. It was amazing. I had the hash brown and egg Poroski, which seems just like a bagel to me that's stuffed with hash browns, but I don't, maybe I don't understand what a Poroski is. So, but, Across the street from that is where all the stalls are. It is eerie to walk over there and have zero people mm. in the Pike Place Market, zero stalls open, the famous uh, fishmongers that throw the fish. None of that stuff is open, and it's, it's strange. Yeah. So if you think about how many people on a daily basis would go through a market like that, uh, they are not there, and neither are the workers. So, what does that look like going forward? What is it? I, I feel for these um, businesses that were built on browsers. You know, you might open up a cute boutique downtown, or this happens in, in small town USA as well. It's like, I'm going to have an antique store, and our main street just gets foot traffic all day long every day, and I'm going to have that quaint little bookstore or quaint little coffee shop, or I'm going to have a boutique or an art gallery or something that adds texture to the community where you can go in, like one I think of, there's a stationery store. I don't buy a ton of stationery. I like the store, though going in there and just seeing all the different things. Um, it's fun for me when I'm in that area to just pop in and just look at the stuff because you and I both like to buy notebooks a lot. So I look at all the different notebooks. Doesn't mean I'm going to buy five or six notebooks. I just like to look. Stores like that, I think, are going to be in bigger trouble than The Gap, yeah. who um, have like a publicly traded company. Let me, let me ask you this question. One of the first things that any financial expert will tell you is when something like this happens and you know you might be uh you might be in trouble financially the first thing that you're supposed to do is sit down and i've done this and go through your bank statements and look at all the people that you touched with apple pay and now there's a revolving charge and maybe you didn't even know there was and you're like, wow, I'm paying $60 a month for that and $19 a month for that. So you're supposed to go through and you're supposed to clean those things out and cancel those things. I ran into two reoccurring pays the other day and I didn't stop paying. And those two reoccurring pays are my local gym. And I just know, I know being in the gym business, if people stop paying, if those members stop paying, the margins are very small. And I know that my gym will go away. So what I did is I voted and I said, I'm just, I'm going to keep paying. And, and I hope they don't close. And if they close, then I've just thrown a bunch of money away that I can never get back. But I'm voting, right? I'm voting for this brick and mortar store. Uh, another place my son goes, uh, and I won't say the name of the business. No, I will say the name of the business. It's the Black Belt Academy. And we just started going there before the pandemic. It has made a huge difference in his life. We've talked about Black Belt Courage, going to Hawaii, swimming with the turtles. Uh, we're supposed to do some belt testing here at home in my house. I'm supposed to do his belt test here coming up. Oh, man, that just gave me a flashback. My mother's belt testing was a white-studded belt when I was bad that I would yeah. get smacked on the butt yeah. with. Yeah, any, That was anyway. my belt testing. 
Yeah. Anyway, this isn't $3 a month. This is, this is, this is hundreds of dollars a month that I pay. And I just decided, you know what, I'm going to keep paying it. And I called the owner and I talked to the owner and I said, what would happen if parents stopped paying? He said, we would, we would just have to close. He said, what we're going to do is we're asking people to continue to pay. And then we're going to take this time and we're going to place it somewhere uh, in the future. So we're going to break here, Ron. Are, are there any of those reoccurring brick and mortar local companies? We see what's happening with Gap, Pier 1, specialty bakery. We were like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to keep paying. I want, I want this store to be around. I do that with, I've had some home improvement stuff where I will go to like uh, Stoneway Hardware. If anyone is in the Seattle area, you know what I'm talking about. It's a small little, yeah. I think it might be affiliated with Ace or Do It Right or whatever. So um, and it's, it's easier to jump online and say, I need new light bulbs for my stove or whatever it was but I I try to make it a point like I have an item I need to pick up today that I was going to order online I am going to go to Stoneway and and buy that so I try to give those sort of things uh you know go into those stores and do my business here locally because I I agree with you it is you want those your route for people to stay around it's Mm -hmm. And I still, it's funny, right down the street from me, someone just put up. Don't, but, but don't, don't, and I don't mean to interrupt, but don't root. If, if, if you have the financial wherewithal, and not all of us do right now, if you have the financial wherewithal, root with your cash, root with your money, root with your business. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, there's a new um, store opening up. 200 yards down the street from my house, they just installed their sign. And I was like, you know what? Good for that person. When that business actually opens its door, I don't know if I need what they're selling, but I'm going to go in there and buy something because they had the moxie to say in the middle of pandemic, I'm hanging my sign. The sign is up. The interior is not built out yet because it's a new building, but the sign is up. Their intention is set. They are going to hopefully open their door soon. I'm going to go in there and buy something because I'm like, that's the kind of guy I want in my neighborhood or gal. I don't know who owns it yet, but it's like they're hanging their sign up and turned it on with the little neon light during this pandemic. Good for them. Yeah. I uh, just put a ball around it. There's a little shop that's a boutique shop. They also have a post office in there and I have a post office box for one of my businesses and they're only open noon to three every day. So there's not a lot of time to get your bail. Uh, and it t- came time to renew the box and I don't really need the box anymore. And the box is a couple hundred dollars a year. And I, I went in, I don't know what I'm going to do with that box, but I renewed the box because you want me to I, send you some mail to that box. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a card. <laughs> Give me your address. <laughs> Yeah, and another bow, a double bow. I I was meeting with some of my partners yesterday. We're building the house, and we took out the model of this house that we're building. We were meeting with our architect and our engineer, and it's like, you know what? We don't know what the future brings, but we know that building this house creates a lot of jobs, and we could get to the other end of this and lose our her. Uh, We don't know, but at the same time, we made a decision yesterday. You know, we're gonna we are gonna move forward. Uh, we are going to employ lots of people building this house, and, and hopefully when we get on the other side, we've created a great house for someone to live in, and, uh, and it's a great piece of real estate. So speaking of real estate, you guys, uh, don't forget, Ron and I, licensed brokers with Windermere, we've been very, very busy, everyone, very busy, and uh, wow, we would love to do a virtual sit down with you. 
basically we have a cup of coffee. We send you a Ron and Don camp mug. Uh, we sit around, we get to know each other and we just kind of talk about your real estate journey and maybe it's beginning. Uh, maybe you're looking for your forever home right now. Maybe you're a first time home buyer. Maybe, maybe you're looking to sell and you're like, when planes start flying again, I'm going to travel the world. Ron talked about that yesterday because I think we're all learning. You only live once and you don't live very long. Yeah. Anyway, he's Ron at Windermere.com. I'm Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. We come back. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back uh, about a minute from now. What your shopping cart habits say about you? Do you put the cart up? Did you take the cart in the store? I had very, very strong feelings about shopping carts and shopping cart habits. I don't know if Ron does. I have very, very strong feelings I'm going to share with you. And then also, people flocking right now to go see Old Faithful when over 100,000 people in this country have died. And those numbers continue to grow when it comes to COVID-19. He's Ron. I'm Don. We will see you on the other side of this. You need a bigger place? Let's do a Ron and Don sit down. Email ron at windermere.com. Hey, you guys. Welcome back. It's episode number 107. The Ron and Don Show. He's Ron. I'm Don. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios. And uh, coming up here, we're going to talk about your sharp shopping cart habits and what they say about you. And also, here in a moment, I want to talk about why people are flocking to places like Yellowstone when we're in the middle of a pandemic. So I want to take one second here. While we're recording this, uh, today happens to be my big brother's 60th birthday. And I just want to give him a shout out. He listens to the Ron and Don show as he's driving around doing his new job. And I was thinking about this, not to brag, but I did do a two mile run this morning. Nice. So I was, you, you did? I, I did. So uh, while I was I am my uh, two mile run, nice. you'll remember this. There are not many, many people in the world and we all have this. It, and they, they would fit on, on one hand in number when it's really going down and you need someone to rely on that, you know, it's just going to be there for you. you. Everybody hopefully has that person in their life. And when uh, Hurricane Katrina, Katrina happened, I had uh, my ex-wife in the truck, three dogs, and a horse in a trailer. And my house was underwater. And I had to think, what in the hell am I going to do? Where do I go? Like, you can't pull up to a Marriott, uh, and I didn't have enough money to live long time in a Marriott with multiple dogs and a horse. What is going to happen? And I called my brother. <clears throat> I didn't ask. I said, hey, we're headed your way. So get something ready, because we got a horse, and I got dogs, and it's not just me. He did not hesitate, and I'm, I'm sort of tearing up even retelling this story, did not hesitate. He's like, we're ready for you. But, and by the time we got to his house, uh, there was a horse stall ready, a place for those dogs to sleep, and uh, a place for me and my ex-wife uh, to sleep for months, and he never 
He never said, hey, dude, are you going to help pay for the food bill on a, on a teacher salary? He never said, hey, man, I need you to pay rent or uh, nothing like that. So um, I just want to give him a shout out. It was a big birthday. I'm really hoping that it's a landmark birthday, and I'm really hoping that him and I are able to do our landmark birthdays trip together this year. And so if he's listening today, uh, he's a good big brother. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would just add to that, uh, when we traveled about a year and a half ago, uh, it was my first time out of the, out of the country. You guys, my first time going to Europe, I just got my passport. And so my trip, I went with Ron, I went with his brother, Rob, and we went with our friend Carter. Um, and we stood on the beaches of Normandy, which was life-changing for me. It was life-changing. And it was life-changing for your brother, too. Um, completely life-changing. Both, both of our lives were changed. I, th- I think all of our lives were changed. We stood on that beach. And I just remember in casual conversation with him, uh, your brother is one of the most earnest people I've ever met. I try to live a life of service. Like living a life of service is really important to me. I like to think I live a life of service. I like to think that things aren't important to me, that people are, and and service is more important. But every time I talk to your brother, your brother doesn't talk about it. He just does it, right? So my my favorite story that he told, and he wasn't bragging. He's just like, hey, place where I teach kids, I need a tennis coach. So I became their tennis coach. It's like, what do you know about tennis? Nothing. I went to YouTube and I taught myself tennis and now I'm their coach. And then the tennis team needed a bus driver. So I went and got my bus driver's license so that I could be their coach and I could drive them to tennis matches. And I'm like, what do you get paid for that? And he just laughed and giggled, but, uh, he is a country boy out there bailing hay doing whatever he has to do to take care of his family, taking care of kids. He's on a new life venture with a new job. So Rob, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. And um, let's come back. We'll come back on the other side of this. Thanks for listening, you guys. I realize it's not easy. Charlie the dog and I have to listen to these two jokers every day. Hey, you guys, episode episode 107. To the Ron and Don show. We're going to hit some headlines right now. And, Ron, I'm going to do what I did the other day. Just kind of pitch some fastballs here, see if I can get one by you. Uh, you do have quite a changeup. People, yeah. people need to know that Don's got a – he's a four-pitch guy. He's got a two-seamer. Yeah. He's got a fastball, and then he's got that bloop softball thing that uh, really comes out of left field, and it only goes like 40 miles an hour, like Jamie Moyer. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people always refer when they look at this pandemic, 2020, they go back and they look at the 1918 pandemic. The thing that's interesting to me is we kind of compare and contrast is we see people now from all over the country flocking to national parks. The president opened these national parks. He wanted people to know that the parks are open, come to the parks. Uh, the rangers aren't really excited about this, neither are the animals because they're being displaced again. They're having a great time with all the humans gone, and here we come because we got to see Old Faithful. Uh, you can look on webcams, and I did this this morning at Old Faithful and some other things at Yellowstone. There's no mask on. People aren't socially distancing. The officials there have said this, and now people are staying in those local towns uh, that have traveled from all over the country. This is one of the issues in 1918, because people just continued with their lives. 
And as a result of that, somewhere between 50 and 100, 100 million people die. I was online last night talking with a guy and he was like, yeah, well, it was probably only 50 million, not 100 million. See, you overblow everything, Don. And I'm like, well, 50 million people, let's put that in context. I went back and I looked at the world's population in 1918. Ron, what do you think the world's population was in 1918? Do you want me to go really low or really high? What makes your story better? If you go low. Okay. There was probably 19 people on the planet in 1918. No, I would say 1918 for the world, I would say 100, uh, 500 million people. Yeah. You know what? It it was about 1.4 million, a billion people. 1.4 billion. 1.4 billion. And you think about this, a third of the world's population uh, had the flu and somewhere between 50 and 100 million people died. Whether it's 50 or 100 million, I, I don't think any of those numbers are acceptable. And what we learned from 1918, and for instance, we were talking about baseball the other day, they just continue to play baseball. Major League Baseball was one of the reasons why they say in 1918, the pandemic traveled so quickly because people would show up and they would watch baseball and the players would play and the virus would spread. 1980, AIDS epidemic, Ron, another virus. What was the world's population in 1980? Okay, if it was 1.4 billion in 1918, I'm going to say 3 billion. Yeah, 8 billion. 8 no, I'm sorry, 4 billion. So you were close. So, so just under 2 billion in 1918. 1980, which you and I remember, we're alive, right? We're just, just about 4 billion people during the AIDS crisis. And then you fast forward to now, there's almost 8 billion of us on the planet. So when you compare 1918 to 2020, either way you want to you, you stay thin slice it, Ron, the numbers are alarming. And I'm very concerned that people are showing up in national parks. They're not wearing masks. They're not social distancing. We now have officials. There's a scientist that was fired in Florida. She said because she wouldn't smudge the numbers. You see governors out there that don't want to test because they don't want a lot of positive tests coming back. And again, the president said the other day, the reason there's so many positive tests is because we're doing so much testing. If they would stop testing, we wouldn't have any positive tests. What concerns you as we move into the summer and people are still talking about, is there a path for Major League Baseball and other sports? I mean, the biggest concern to me is another flare-up that sets us back into full-down lockdown again. So, I mean, that's the thing that, that I fear. And obviously, we just mentioned the loss of life, unnecessary loss of life. And even this week, you know, the president saying he's on chloro, chloroformicin or whatever that drug yeah. is called, you know, people – that's Hydrochloroquine. Yeah, hydrochloroquine. Um, that drug can be deadly. So, like, uh, you know, these this push to open, now it's hard to not see that through a political lens. It is an election year. November's the election date. Uh, that's right around the time when the the regular flu starts to emerge in a big way. If you have this flu also emerging in a big way, um, that's political suicide. And so if you can, if he can be seen in, and I bet his advisor are telling him this, if you can be seen as someone that is re, de, making decisive moves and reopening the country, 
in pushing back this fake news narrative uh, about a pandemic because then you will get reelected and then in whatever happens after that doesn't really matter politically because you're already in your second term. That's, I think, what is going on. And it, um, it's very, very hashtag sad because lives are in the balance. Um, and I think this path that we're on right now could very well cause more spikes. And then we're going to have to go into full-blown level five code red lockdown again. Yeah. All right, a couple other headlines, binge watching, uh, the number one binge show in the first couple of weeks of the pandemic, Tiger King. Now it's the last dance with Michael Jordan. I'm trying to be a binge watcher. I'm really bad at this because people always ask me, what are you binge watching? And I feel a lot of pressure because I don't binge watch. I just, you're not a binge watch guy. I can't sit somewhere. That, so anyway, I'm what, have you watched the money heist on Netflix? It's either called the heist or the money heist. I have not watched that, but I've been watching the last dance. I'm, okay. I'm late to the party on that. So we'll come, we'll come back to the last dance. The, the heist or the money heist is about a group of bank robbers uh, that go in. No, they go into the mint, right? And they're going to, they're going to rob the mint. Is this a true story? No. So I, I watch, I watch episode one and it's really good. And then, and then I think it's over. And then there's, cause I think I'm watching a movie. I didn't know it's like this show. That Everything's a miniseries. Yeah. So then uh, the second series, the second show comes up and they're still in the bank and they still have guns and, and they're still making phone calls and the FBI profiler just, and then, so I turned it and then I came back in episode three. There was a, so I'm like, I'm going to fast forward. Because if they are still in the bank, it's episode nine. I'm out. Because a heist can't go that long. So I fast forward episode nine. They're still in the bank. I am done with that show. It is over with. It's the same character, same jumpsuit, same outfits. I'm like, this is like a Kiefer Sutherland production all over again. Because it doesn't matter who that dude is and what show he's in. You just look at him and you go, oh, it's Kiefer Sutherland, who used to be hanging out. And he was in all those cowboy movies. And we know he has a famous father and now he's either the president or he's the last man standing or the last secretary, whatever it is. It's all the same show with him. And that show goes on forever too. What is it? The designated delegate or whatever that he's in right now. And then he's in 24, 48, 72, 79, 103. Drives me nuts. Last Dance. Everybody is now watching Last Dance. I go from Tiger King to Last Dance. And people are saying, hey, the last dance, they shouldn't have let Michael Jordan, they shouldn't have let Michael Jordan be one of the executive producers because all the stories in the last dance are all kind of skewed to make him look phenomenal. You've been watching on ESPN. What say you? Uh, I mean, they go into his gambling problems in the, the episode I just watched. So, I mean, it's not, it, it does have a rose-colored tint on it. He is probably the greatest basketball player ever. So, I mean, there is that. His, uh, his moments on the court back up the claims. It's really fascinating, though. It's very well done. I think it's a 10-part docuseries. And same with you. After episode one, I'm like, how are they going to make this into 10 episodes? But then episode two is all about Scottie Pippen. And so you learn stuff about Scotty that I didn't know. And we were big sports. We were working in sports radio, I think, during some of this run or just started in sports radio. So that was fascinating to learn about. Like, Scotty grew up with a family of 12 kids. Uh, his father was in a wheelchair. His mother, or he had a brother that got into a wrestling accident at school and broke his back. So he was in a wheelchair. So he signed a bad contract to take care of his family. 
of uh, all his siblings and his mom. And then the Bulls refused to renegotiate. At one point, he was the second best player in the league statistically, and he was the 122nd highest paid player. He was he was sixth on the payment scale on the Bulls, and. Um, it got really bitter and I didn't realize all this stuff about Scotty. And so that was fascinating. Then you have a, they had a whole episode on Dennis Rodman that was fascinating and uh, Phil Jackson and why he, Phil Jackson, the reason why he was into all those native American tropes uh, is because his mother and father were fundamentalist preachers on a reservation when he was very young and he was ostracized for playing with native American kids and um, the other white people thought that he shouldn't be playing with uh, kids that were non-white. And wow. so he ended up adopting and going, hey, some of these beliefs they have are pretty cool. So you like you learn stuff, or at least I did. It was like, oh, that makes sense. Like I didn't know. There's a lot of those moments that you just didn't know. And then it's fun to see, you know, John Paxson now <laughs> or see Steve Kerr now looking back on uh, what happened then. So if you're a basketball fan and craving some sports action, it's really, really good. Yeah, and they didn't do, I guess, they say Luke Longley. They didn't do uh, a profile of him. And they say it's not that he wasn't important to the Bulls run because he was. They said they just, at the time, they were concerned about the finances of it. <laughs> Excuse me. Good thing we're social distancing. And then what about Horace Grant? Horace Grant, uh, if you remember him, was the guy that had the really bright white rec specs on, an amazing look back in the day. Uh, Hor there was a book that came out by Sam Smith. I think he's with the Chicago Tribune. It was called The Jordan Rules that kind of tarnished Michael Jordan. And um, like you said, there was so much positive press around Michael Jordan that this Sam, this book, The Jordan Rules, really sort of took you behind the scenes and talked about Michael Jordan being a bully, yelling at people, demeaning people, going on and on and on. And Jordan believes that the leak in the locker room was Horace. Hmm. And they talk about that on the documentary. And Horace Grant was like, hey, I get along with that reporter and we have a good relationship, but I'm not the leak. Like, I wasn't feeding him quotes about what a tyrant Michael Jordan was. And so that began to make Michael Jordan a more three-dimensional character when you realized just how obsessive he was around winning and that he would go to any lengths to win. Um, and it, But I think there's a lot of people that that didn't matter, where it's like, yeah. okay, as long as he wins, don't care how, what a tyrant he is. Yeah. Uh, finally, final headline, the shopping cart. <laughs> is is this, a, this is a headline for you you're making up a headline right here no i'm not the, the shopping cart is back in the news do you return the shopping cart uh do you throw it out in the stall do you leave it between cars uh just leave it in the parking lot somewhere do you push it out farther uh my son and i got in a major uh, fight over this the other day because he believes the shopping cart should always be returned into the store I don't believe this. Uh, some research out from the Business Outside Insider today, and they took a survey. They say uh, the shopping cart run is the ultimate lit litmus test for whether a person is capable of self-governing. To return the shopping cart is an easy, convenient task 
and one which we all recognize as the correct, appropriate thing to do. To return the shopping cart is objectively right. There are no situations other than dire emergencies in which a person is not able to return their cart. Simultaneously, it is not illegal to abandon your shopping cart. Therefore, the shopper's cart presents itself as the apex example of whether a person will do what is right or they will choose what is wrong. What do you do? What say you about the shopping cart? You return the cart or do you return it to the stall, the store? Uh, do you high center it somewhere? Uh, I've been known to do that, to high center the cart. Um, Here's, I have a special dispensation that I've given myself in life in two areas. Yeah. And one of them is the shopping cart. I worked at a Sam's Club when I was 18, 19 years old. I have moved tens of thousands of carts. I was the cart guy when I first started. And then I moved my, worked my way up to register by the time I finished my tenure at Sam's Club. I have a lifetime exemption forever returning a cart because I have returned that many carts. Mm -hmm. Another lifetime exemption I have is I went to church so many times between the <laughs> age of like 10 and 20 yeah. that I'm stocked up for the rest of my life. I do not ever need to go to church again because I have a stockpile yeah. where I, I went so many times. So I'm, I'm exempt. I can leave the cart wherever I want because I've moved that many carts. Yeah. Here's what I want people to know. And this is what I told my young son is one day when you grow up, you're going to need a job. Uh, my brother was a forklift driver at an always and my sister worked there too. And this is just a big lumber yard. And I wanted to go work with my brother and sister. I thought that that would be really cool. So I went and I applied for the forklift job and they said, Oh no. Then I went to be a lumber salesman. They said, you can't do that. I said, what do I have to do? They said in the Albuquerque sun, you have to go out and you have to push the big orange carts. How long do I have to do that for? Six months. Six months of pushing the big orange carts. I finally work my way into the store and then I get on, it's called a heister. I got my heister's license. I became a lumber salesman and I'm in at Allwoods. All of a sudden now I need some extra hours. And so I go to a price club, which is basically a Sam's club. And I think because I have my heister license that I will go in and immediately be able to start driving a forklift. Oh, no. That is not how that works. You have to go out, push the carts. Fast forward to Costco, Kirkland, Washington, about the same age that you're talking about. I have now driven a forklift in two different warehouses. I go to apply to be a forklift driver. Guess what? You got to go push carts. So... Anytime you take that cart and you push it inside the store, you're taking a job away from me and I am working to get inside the store as a non-seasonal employee because that's typically when you got to push is when it's seasonal. I'm pushing inside to get on that high start. So the way that I do it, I take that cart and I push it farther out in the parking lot because especially now in this pandemic, I am providing jobs. <laughs> I think both of us have to say, you and I have moved million carts in our day then. Ah, that's right. Any final thoughts here, Ron, as we uh, finish up episode 106? We're sorry, you guys. This is so harsh. Uh, we have some broadcast equipment that's coming that we had to order, and uh, it should be here should be here soon so we get the quality of the show sounding better. Again, our thanks to Les Schwab today for sponsoring the show. And again, if you need help with real estate, the market right now is really good, isn't it? 
Yeah, it totally is. So feel free to email me, ron at windermere.com. If you have a question or you want some data or you need a spreadsheet or you are seeing this come down the road and you want to make a real estate decision. My final uh, thought today is sort of we referenced this earlier. It's never too late to course correct. So like I went on a run this morning. I, it was, felt really good. Um, I have, have let all of most of those things slide during this pandemic. And so if you find yourself eating too much comfort food or drinking too much alcohol or I used to work out all the time and now I don't, I'm sitting in front of my computer all day, do just one course correction. Um, I didn't try to course correct everything in my life. I was like, you know what? I'm up. I'm going to run. And so hopefully I'll get some positive momentum going in that way. And then you can add some things. Maybe it's as simple as I'm just going to do the dishes today. I'm going to do the dishes and do a load of laundry. And that's going to get me clean up my environment. And then it'll make me feel less anxiety. So it's never too late to course correct. Pick one thing and correct that. And I think you'll start to get some positive momentum. This is, this is hard. What we're yeah. doing is not easy. All right, Rob, we got a song for you. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday. This is your day to have a lot of fun. Bo, bo, bo. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. This is your day. So eat a piece of cake. Perfect bitch. Always. He's Ron on Don. You keep your head up, your shoulders back. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey. Thanks for listening to the Ron and Dawn Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>